Would you find 1 Corinthians chapter 10? 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And I want to read verses 13 and 14. It's interesting that in the New Testament, the word translated temptation and the word translated trial are the same word, or is the same word. And um, so if you want to insert the word trial in the place of temptation, you can do that. No temptation, verse 13, no temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. And God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will provide the way of escape also, that you may be able to endure it. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. No matter who you are, educated or uneducated, spiritual or carnal, there is an experience that we've all had this week. It's the experience of temptation. The Bible makes it abundantly clear that temptation is the common lot of all of us. Now nobody likes to be tempted. And I suppose that nobody enjoys the harassment of the devil. However, there is a positive element to temptation. There is a ministry to temptation. Temptation provides a positive ministry and not to recognize that ministry or appropriate the blessing of the ministry of temptation brings about great failure in the Christian life. Now he says that no temptation has overtaken you. The NIV translation has it. No temptation has seized you. And the word means to lay hold on, to not let go, to seize and never turn loose. That, doesn't that describe your temptation? We struggle day after day, year after year with the same temptation it seems like. And it seems like we just can't shake it. It just keeps coming back again and again and again. And the question is, is this temptation that constantly besets me, is this something God allows, or is it because I'm so sinful? Occasionally somebody will say to me, well, I just must be, I just can't get close to God, I just can't get right with God, because this same temptation that I struggle with just keeps coming back. Is this because I'm really not a Christian, or I'm really not right with God? And it's a failure to understand the ministry of temptation. There are some things that you and I need to understand to know about temptation. The first is this, that God permits the experience of temptation. That phrase there, He will not allow you to be tempted, says at least two things. It says, first of all, that God, that, that Satan will never touch you except God permits it. And the second thing that it says is that temptation and sin are really two different things. That temptation 
is not a sin in itself. There is a distinction and there is a separation that you and I must always be aware of and keep in mind that to be tempted is not to sin. Now sometimes uh, the devil will come to us and he'll tempt us and at the same time accuse us and it's hard for us to separate and make the distinction between temptation and sin. Just because you've been tempted doesn't mean that you have sinned. There is a distinction. As a matter of fact, Jesus was tempted in every place like we and yet without sin. In fact, the Bible says that Jesus was driven out into the wilderness in order that he might be tempted of Satan. Now don't you think that after having spent 40 days and 40 nights without eating that Jesus did not desire something to eat and he had a tremendous desire, I'm sure, to turn those stones to bread. Just because you have a desire doesn't mean you've sinned. There is a separation between temptation and yielding to temptation, which is sin. So that says that God permits us the experience of temptation. The question is, why does he do that? I mean, why does God allow us to be tempted? I think there are two basic reasons. The first is to expose our weakness. Now, I tried to talk about this two weeks ago, and I just want to come back and mention it again, that one of the worst things that you and I can fall into is the sin of spiritual pride. Most of us have it. And most of us feel like that we're a lot stronger than we are because we want to think that we're in control of things and man likes to think that he's the master of his fate and the captain of his soul and he's in charge. Let me tell you something. You're not as strong as you think you are and you're certainly within yourself not qualified or are, are able, are capable to deal with temptation when Satan brings that. And so God allows us to be tempted in order that we might discover our weakness. A few years ago, uh, Margaret and I were up in Oklahoma City for a meeting. I think I've shared this with you once. But, and, and it was about, it was late in the afternoon and it was a storm had come up. I mean, it was blowing like crazy. Tornado warnings were out. In fact, a tornado hit Edmund that, that, very, that very night. And it was raining and the wind was blowing and, and, and we were looking for somewhere to, to stop and eat. We wanted to eat at a cafeteria and we, were, we passed by this big mall and I saw this sign. It had cafeteria, lubies or whatever. So we pulled in there and it was raining straight down. We ran in there to see if we could find, get something to eat. And we went in this mall looking for that cafeteria, couldn't find it. I mean, I looked all over that cafeteria. Now, I, I hate to stop and ask for directions. Margaret's always saying, well, just ask somebody. And I'm, I'm just not going to do that. You don't look stupid. You know, I have to ask, you know, where is this cafeteria? I'll wander around in a mall half a day before I'll ask somebody, you know, where the cafeteria. The problem was, that the cafeteria was attached to the mall but wasn't inside of it. And you had to go outside the mall and go in another entrance. So I was wandering around there and I saw one of these big maps. You know how they do? They, right in the center of the mall there's this map. And So I thought, well, I'll just go up there and see if I can figure out where that cafeteria is. And there's a big old red X there on that map. It said, you are here. 
Well, I was glad to hear that because I didn't know where I was. And when I got my, my when I located where I was, in just a, a minute, I, I knew how to get to that cafeteria. The point is that in order to get where you're going, you have to know where you are. Now, if I've got a weakness inside of me, I won't know about it. And I have a few. And so God allows temptation to come to reveal to me where I am most vulnerable and weak. And you can thank God for temptation because what that temptation does is drive you to the Lord if you sincerely want to walk with Him. And, 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 and Hudson says that, that any trial or any temptation will do one of two things. It'll come between you and God or it will press you upon Him. And the amazing thing about these trials that came into Job's life was that, that, that they just drove him into the arms of God and the very God that Satan thought he could separate him from. Have you ever noticed that kids often think they can, little kids think they can do something you know they can't? I had occasion to observe not long ago a little boy coming out of the mall over at uh, Denison and his parents were carrying uh, some packages and there was obviously something in one of those packages that belonged to that little boy. He wanted to carry it. He wasn't big enough. I mean, he just barely big enough to get, you know, get along on his own. And, and so he, he, he had a little fit there, you know, like your kids do often. And, you know, and finally his parents, I saw them kind of give one another that knowing glance. They knew he wasn't big enough to carry that, but they're going to let him find out. So they put this, they handed him this package and he just fell over backwards. I mean, it just crushed him and he got up. He wasn't about to give up that easy, so he struggled around trying to pick that up, drag it along, and finally, it just kind of, you could just see it like a light going on inside. I'm too weak to carry this. So he let his parents do it. Now, why does God allow you to be tempted? So that you can discover something He's been trying to teach you all along. You're not big enough to deal with temptation in your own strength. And the second reason He allows us to be tempted, permits it, is to enlarge our capacity for God. Now God always meets us at the level of our capacity. How much of God can you have? Well, how big is the container? How much of God and God's blessing and what God has for you can you have? You can have just as much as you want one day Jesus sat with His disciples and He said, there's a whole lot of things that I'd like to teach you, but you're not able to contain it right now. God always meets us at the level of our capacity. And I was reading Psalm 81 not long ago and God said through the psalmist, open your mouth and I will fill it. And I wrote in the margin of my Bible, how much we get that God has depends on how big our mouth is. How big is the container? And so Jesus set those people down on the hillside, 5,000 of them, and He had five loaves and two fishes. And the Scripture says that after He broke and blessed those loaves and fishes, He gave them as much what? As they wanted. And then He gave each disciple a basket full of the fragments to remind them that the bigger the basket, the more they can get of God. I'm absolutely convinced that McLaren was right when he said, the only limitation to this increased measure of God is our own arbitrarily narrowed limitation of capacity and desire. 
You can have as much of God as you can contain. Now there's an interesting passage of Scripture in the book of Exodus chapter 23, verses 29 and 30. Let me read it to you. And God is telling His people as He prepares to take them into the land of Canaan how He's going to lead them into victory. This is what He says. I will not drive them out before you in a single year. It's going to take longer than a year for you to occupy the land. I'll not drive them out in a single year that the land may not become desolate and the beasts of the field become too numerous for you. I will drive them out before you little by little until you become fruitful and take possession of the land. You know what God is saying? He said, I'm not going to evacuate this land all at one time. You wouldn't be big enough to hold what you got if I did. And I'm going to make every victory depend upon the preceding one so that if you win a victory now, it'll build on another victory and another victory will be built upon that. And we go from faith to faith and from grace to grace. And what God is saying is this. You win this battle over temptation that bothers you today and it'll enlarge your capacity so that you can win the next one. And before you know it, you'll be winning victories that are too big for you now. He'll give you success a city at a time. God permits us the experience of temptation. Second, God prevents the the extreme temptation. He said He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. That is, beyond your capacity, beyond your ability. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond your capacity to resist. Now occasionally somebody will say to me, Well, you know, the the devil came to me, Satan came to me in a time when I was weak and vulnerable and helpless, and I just couldn't do anything about it. I just... I was just too weak. I just yielded temptation. I I was helpless. That's not true. You have God's Word this morning that you'll not be tempted beyond your capacity to resist that temptation. So that if you yield to temptation, it's nobody's fault but yours. A lady came in my office one day and she began to weep. And she said that she had committed an infidelity. She'd committed adultery with her employer. And this was her explanation. This was her rationale. She said, I just was in a weakened condition. She said, he just kept on and on hassling me. And one one day after my my husband and I had had a problem, he, he just caught me when I was so weak I couldn't resist. I said, well... That may be your explanation, but it's just not true. You have God's Word that you are never tempted beyond your ability to resist if you're a Christian. Have you ever wondered why Satan came to Adam and Eve in the garden as a snake? You ever wonder why he did that? Why Adam and Eve were tempted by a serpent? Well, the answer is simple. If Satan had come in all of his glory, in all of his beauty and attractiveness, they would have had no choice. But God had made Adam and Eve, 
had given them dominion over every beast of the field. And the scripture says that, that, the, that Satan coming in the form of a snake, which was the most subtle of all the beasts of the field, you put those two and two together, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to know that Adam and Eve had dominion over that snake. And God came to the, God allowed them to be tempted. Satan came to them in a form over which they had dominion. They didn't have to sin. And everybody always asking these hypothetical questions. Well, why did God allow them to be tempted if He knew they were going to sin? Well, listen, I mean, the real issue is the fact that they had dominion. They didn't have to sin. Now, by the blood of Jesus Christ, you and I have dominion over Satan. And we, if we sin, it is because we have chosen to do that. This guy came up to his preacher one time and he said, Pastor, I'm, I'm having a real problem with my language. He said, I, I sometimes I, get, I lose my temper and I maybe mash my finger and I say a word. He said, I'm ashamed of. He said, I, I, I'm gonna, I need you to pray for me, Pastor. So I can't believe that. So I can't believe that you would curse. I've never heard you curse. And the guy said, oh, well, I never, oh, no. He said, I never curse in front of you. He said, I never say those things in front of you. And the preacher said, well, that just proves that you do have control over your tongue. You do have dominion. God prevents the extreme temptation. One last thought, please. God provides an escape from temptation. With every temptation, there is a corresponding way of escape. There is a, there is a path out of the box canyon, is what that literally describes. Not too long ago, I picked up a newspaper and I read about this couple who were rafting down the Rio Grande. They put in about El Paso, Texas, and they had this guide with them. They were going to just take a leisurely weekend rafting trip down the Rio Grande. And if any of you have ever traveled into Big Bend, you know that a certain place there, that Rio Grande River just enters into this canyon with these high walls. It's just like a ribbon going down through there, high walls on both sides. And as they were going along, you know, just having a good time, all of a sudden they begin to take fire from some Mexicans on the other side on the ridge above them. And these guys had rifles and they were taking pot shots at these people on this raft, a man, his wife, and a guide. In fact, killed the man. And for hours they were terrorized by these terrorists up on that ridge, shooting down on them. And every time they'd move, they finally got to the, to the bank, but every time they'd move, they'd shoot at them, and they, just, they were just like shooting fish in a barrel. Now, if you can transfer that experience to this passage of Scripture, you've got the perfect illustration. Because the devil has us in his sights and every day of your life he has us pinned down in the box canyon and he's cutting, cutting us down with rapid fire. And then all of a sudden we look and see a hole in the mountain, a way of escape. That's the picture. There is the way of escape. It's what Peter means when he says that God knows how 
to rescue the, the godly from temptation, there is a hole in the mountain. There is the way of escape. Now, I hope you notice the, 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 the grammar there. It's the way of escape, not a. And in the Greek, in, when you see that construction in the Greek grammar, you know that it is a specific or a particular way of escape. Just one way. The way. And not, it's not just that the temptation is tailor-made for you, not too big for you. Just enough to expose your weakness and drive you to the Father, just, to know, just enough to enlarge your, your capacity for God, just the right temptation. Not only is the temptation tailor-made, but the way of escape is tailor-made. It's the way of escape. Now Jesus said, I am the way of escape. Let me tell you what's happening here. Paul is telling us that in Jesus Christ you have the way to escape. Have you ever felt like that, you know, sometime at night somebody slips in and, and changes your Bible and, you know, adds something that wasn't there before? You know, sometimes it just seems like that somebody comes and slips in and, 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 and adds something to it. I had never noticed this until about a year ago, this statement. He'll not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will provide the way of escape. And I put a period there all the time. And that's wonderful. Because that seemed like to me that he's going to airlift me out of the box canyon and save me from the, from the problem. You know, save me from the struggle, save me from the trial and the temptation. That's not enough. It's not what it says. He goes on to say that you may be able to endure it. Now does that seem kind of like a contradiction? That He's going to give us a way, the way of escape, in order that we might be able to endure the temptation. You know what he's saying? He's saying that he gives you the ability to endure the temptation, and that is the way of escape. He doesn't deliver you from the, from the temptation, from being tempted. He's just with you in it. And he himself becomes the way that you endure it. He didn't save you from trials or problems, but because He's with you in them, He Himself becomes the way of escape. And Kierkegaard says, because Jesus stands by us, that means that Satan has a bark, but he doesn't have a bite, and his tail may lash, but his head is crushed. I'll share this story from John Killinger, then I'm through. Killinger said he was supposed to speak one night at a big rally in Atlanta, Georgia. And he had a host couple who were going to pick him up at the airplane and take him out, take him to their home for dinner and before the, before the speaking engagement. And the man was busy, so the man's wife picked him up at the airport and they were driving to, to their house for dinner. And, and uh, she was just this vivacious, dynamic Christian lady. She was a social worker. 
And she had just come from another little town nearby where she had visited with a child who had been placed in a foster home and things were going great. She was so excited about it and she was sharing with him about it. She gave her testimony. She was a, she was a stewardess for an airline company, on a, working on a career, married, no children. And one, of the, one day her, one of her friends, one of her old high school chums, came to Atlanta and called her and said, I want us to get together for a weekend just... And, just for a visit, and said, I've asked, and she named two other of her high school chums, it'll just be the four of us, we'll just get together for the weekend. So she did. This airline stewardess was not a Christian. She had this wonderful career. She was successful and had a lovely, lovely home and a wonderful husband, but she was so empty inside. And, and when they got out on this little weekend retreat at a motel, they went to a play and they ate dinner together and they were having a great time. They got back to the motel and she found out why her friend invited her with her other friends for the weekend. Because her friend had found the Lord. And she'd gotten them together to, give her, to, to witness to them. And the long and short of it was at the end of that weekend, this airline stewardess came to know Christ as her Savior. She, she quit her job with the airline and started doing a ministry through social work. Her husband wasn't a Christian. He was a, he was a driving executive. And in about two years, because he just kept seeing the change in his wife's life, he himself became a Christian. And at that dinner table that night, they just were just talking about the wonderful church they had and the victories they had in Christ. And it was just a great evening. Killinger went on to speak that night. And he said after the, the, the speaking engagement was over, he, he was standing around and talking to some people there at the front, and, and he mentioned this couple. He said, you know, he said, I've just, had, I've just met the most dynamic Christian couple I've ever met. And he told, this, he told their name, and one of the ladies in the group said, oh, did you know that she has cancer? Did she tell you that she has inoperable cancer and only a few weeks to live? And he said, for the first time, I was aware that she was even sick. He said, all of a sudden, it just really, and he, he wrote this in his book, uh, Hallowed is the Name of God. And, and, and he wrote this, and he said, for the first time, I really became aware what it means when Jesus taught us to pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, the evil one. That God, in fact, does not put a hedge about us, put us in a little bubble so that we'll never be pressured by temptation and trial, but that in the suffering itself, He becomes our deliverer. And in the experience itself, He becomes our source of victory. That's what we need to know about temptation. That God permits it so that you will be driven to Him crying out in your weakness and because He wants you to develop this capacity for Him so that everything He has, you can have. But He prevents the extreme temptation so that you will never be tempted beyond your strength. And in the midst of the temptation becomes the deliverer. 
from the evil one. You know what that says to me? It says to me what Paul said in verse 14, Therefore, beloved, flee from idolatry. Flee from the idol to God. Let's pray together. Father, help us to discover today our weakness and your strength, our helplessness and your help, our death and your life, our hopelessness and your hope, our despair and your deliverance. Father, I know there are those in our midst today who need to respond publicly, give them the courage to do that. Through the name of Jesus, I pray. There are three invitations this morning. I invite you today to come and profess your faith in Jesus Christ for salvation. The only name given among men whereby we must be saved is the name of Jesus. Have you trusted Jesus for your salvation? He becomes the deliverer, the life, your only hope. There may be some of you who need to come as one gentleman did in the early service and say, well, I feel led to place my life in this church and I want to serve God here. Or maybe there are some of us today who have just struck out in our struggle against the temptation that comes in life. You just need to get back to the Lord. Allow that temptation to drive you to Him. It may be that you need to confess publicly because you've hurt others by your sin, a need of rededication, a recommitment to Christ. While we stand to sing, we invite you to come.